When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. One man. Goodbye. Hello, Heisman. 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 45. There goes Davis. Oh, my God. Davis is going to run it all the way back. Auburn's going to win the football game. Welcome in, everybody, to the first annual 3Tech Award Show for the 2022 season. Along with Garrett Turney, I'm Mitch Mason. Glad to have you with us. Uh, you know, we've, as the season is wrapped up, we've looked for ways to keep you guys in the loop, to stay relevant in this kind of dead period between the regular season and bowl season without just covering recruiting nonstop. And we covered the transfer portal coaching carousel last week. This week, we wanted to do our own award show for a couple of reasons. One, obviously to highlight the incredible performances throughout the season, the main storylines there. But also, if you watch the Home Depot Awards or the Heisman, a lot of the media basically cover the same four people. Uh, and that's just not really the case when you look around the scope of college football. So our award show really is going to be more diverse, really shine a light on, on excellence and uh, top performances, which speaking of which, Garrett, excellence, top performance, a couple of ways that you could describe our growing YouTube channel, which you've started, you've put that together. Uh, in case you don't know, Garrett uh, created the YouTube channel for us, 3Tech Pod on YouTube, uh, uploads the full episodes in video format, as well as clips, the highlights, the best segments from those for your viewing pleasure. Garrett, how much fun has that been to create for yourself? Uh, well, let me tell you, it, it's been a blast getting to do this and, and to run the video and, you know, being able to put out uh, hopefully, a, you know, some content that you guys enjoy on a week to week basis. Uh, you know, obviously, we didn't start this podcast in a video format. We started just doing the audio. And then, you know, part of the way through, we thought, hey, why don't we give it a try? Right. Why don't we see what we can do? You know, maybe make some shorter videos that, you know, those of you who maybe don't have enough time to sit down and watch the full pod every week, you can still catch some of the highlights or catch your favorite games. And uh, you guys have seemed to like it. You guys have responded really well and, you know, done an awesome job clicking on those videos and helping kind of share that with us and, and showing us that that's what you guys want. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see kind of what we can do to switch it up, maybe provide some variety, you know, through the off season going into next season. Yeah, we're, we're talking about expanding it, not only in video content, but also possibly a website as well. Season one has been a resounding success. I believe this is our 71st episode. We yeah, literally wow. have not missed an upload since we started this podcast back in May, twice a week on Mondays and Thursdays if you're new here, and uh, got a report actually from Spotify. We are in the top 5% of college football creators on their platform, which is really, really cool. Um, so yeah, so thank you guys for for supporting, for listening. It's been a lot of fun. 
Uh, we've created something like 4,000 minutes of content. So uh, it has been a labor of love. Uh, if you were not Only following Only half us, of those were the preview shows. That's a, <laughs> that's a, good, <laughs> that's a very good point. It's a very good point. The previews yeah. were were rather lengthy. We'll, we'll switch that up probably. That's, that's something we're going to have to tinker with just a little <laughs> bit for 2023. Um, if you are not already following us on our social media platforms, please do so. Instagram, Twitter, and of course, YouTube. It helps us continue to grow, get in front of more college football fans like yourself and add to the family. Also, before we jump into news, shout out to 3Tech uh, fan Michael. He won our week, or I say week long, year long. Uh, pick them, the spread option. Uh, selected. The prize, of course, was a mini helmet of his choice. He is a proud UNT Mean Green alum. And so one Mean Green helmet has been actually the one you can barely see it back here in my background. The black <laughs> with the, the green Mean Green That's a good one. Uh, on it has been shipped out I, to him just in time for Christmas. I really like that homecoming one that they made with the like the different yes. eagle. That's the throwback. That one was clean. That has been flying worm. That has been an open tab in my uh, browser for several months now. So uh, yeah, I'll have to pull the trigger on that one soon for myself. Absolutely, the flying worm is a classic. The Hayden Cry tribute. Um, but yeah, so congratulations to Michael. Thanks for being a fan and uh, and rocking with us. Um, you know, you follow the show, you play in our games. There are plenty of prizes coming coming down the pipe as well. But Gary, let's go ahead and jump into it. We've got the Three Tech Award Show. First, couple of relevant news items. First and foremost, Caleb Williams announces the Heisman winner this past weekend. No real surprise there. We'll get into his season performance here in just a minute with our Three Tech Podsman, which is our Heisman, uh, and so you will get to hear some of his stats. In just a moment. Also, Ken Niamatololo, formally dismissed, I guess, or isn't coming back at Navy. He's the winningest coach in Navy's history. After 16 years, he went 109-83. and 83. Tough note for Navy to finish on. They blew a lead in the fourth quarter against Army. They lose in overtime in the Army-Navy game. It's going to be interesting to see Navy after almost two decades with a new head coach in 2023. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I was looking up the stats. He's been there since 2008. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that feels like ancient history to me. And so, you know, I, I know that's probably dating me a little bit. I'm a little bit younger that side. But no, he had, had a lot of success for a while. Um, loads of winning seasons. They had, I think, one losing season in his first, I don't know, eight, nine seasons, something like that. And then, I mean, just the last few years have been real tough. I don't think, you know, obviously COVID didn't help in that shortened year. And then just a couple of four and eights back to back, that'll do it. And so, you know, it, it, it sucks. You know, I hate it for him. He's always seemed like a really cool guy. seemed like a guy that you want to root for, but at the end of the day, I do think Navy deserves better performance. And so it'll be interesting to see which direction they go. Obviously a little bit harder to, to find guys, you know, for these academies, but I, I, I think that they'll be able to find something to kind of get them back on the right track. And I hope that they will for the sake of the game, because I always find that it's a little bit more interesting when, you know, Army, Navy, Air Force, when they're really good, sure. it just kind of gives you something else to root for a little bit of that neutral team where, hey, you know, it's it's Navy, you know, I like Navy. I'm I'm a patriot. I'm an American. I'll, I'll right. root for Navy, you know, so it, it kind of gives you something else to go for when you're when you're maybe your team's having a bad year or you know, there's just kind of a, a who cares game in the middle of an afternoon. So sure. hoping they can get it figured out. Well, we always, of course, salute the troops no matter which branch. Uh, but yeah, with what Air Force has done over the last several years, what Jeff Munkin has done at Army, uh, yeah, Navy, Navy's fallen behind. And I think a change in leadership, while it's going to be weird, and I'm not exactly sure who 
fits there, to be quite honest. It's such a unique job posting, but uh, probably the the right decision for for the Naval Academy. So, uh, of course, stay tuned to our Twitter account for all the news. Uh, I broke, or not broke the news, I, I pitched the idea, and I don't know if this was my original idea, but you know, much has been written about the Texas A&M Offensive Coordinator search. I, I wrote, hey, why not Seth Luttrell from UNT did a deep dive into the numbers, and he's got... There, there have been some inconsistencies with his offense, but overall, I mean, a top 40 offense rushing and through the air, uh, you know, you, you combine that with a top 10 defense that A&M has most years, and I think you'd win a lot of games. So again, head over to our social media account to, to join in that. We'll obviously keep you posted on on that decision when A&M makes it and, and much more news around the country as well. Garrett, should we start the award show? We've got several to get to. Yeah, let's do it. I'm excited. All right. Well, let's start with, of course, the premier award, the best overall player in college football, our three tech podsman, the Heisman. Our candidates, uh, we selected five, and these are not going to be the same ones that you saw in New York because, frankly, I was horrified at what the voters <laughs> put in New York. So we do start with Caleb Williams, quarterback from USC, Ohio State quarterback CJ Stroud. We have also, at the 3 Tech Pod, invited Tennessee quarterback Hendon Hooker to the award show because, duh, that should have been <laughs> a no-brainer. Uh, and then two running backs because we are not quarterback elitists here at the 3 Tech Pod. We've also invited Michigan running back Blake Corum and Texas running back Bijan Robinson. Gears, we look over these candidates. Where would you like to start and just kind of going over their stats, reliving their season at a very high level? Man, well, I'm going to start with the two running backs, actually. You know, Corum and Robinson. For me, I hate that the Heisman has kind of become this, you know, quarterbacks only award. And I, I realized that just a couple of years ago, a wide receiver won. But th that's very much the exception, not the rule. Mm -hmm. It seems like, you know, 80, 90% of the guys invited are quarterbacks. And even when you invite a defensive player or a running back or something like that, it never really seems like they get a chance. So I want to start by highlighting two of the better running backs that college football has seen in a while. First off, I'm going to start with Bijan Robinson. The numbers on the year, 1580 yards. Uh, he averaged 6.1 on the ground, 18 touchdowns. And then also something that I wasn't even you know maybe aware of as much because I hadn't looked into it as much. Finished with over 300 receiving yards and added a couple mm -hmm. touchdowns there. Finishes with 20 total touchdowns from scrimmage. No fumbles either. A remarkable season for him. He was such a big part of what they wanted to do on offense. In a year where, you know, realistically, I, I don't think, and I think a lot of Texas fans would agree with me, they didn't get what they thought they were going to get at the quarterback position. Mm -hmm. Not consistently, at least. They had some great performances and some, I mean, head scratchers, right? And that's what happens when you have a younger quarterback sometimes. Um, and also in a year where I think a lot of the receivers that they were expecting to produce really weren't there. And maybe that had something to do with the quarterback play. But I think Worthy had a, a worse year than I think a lot of Texas fans were hoping he would have. And so what happens? Bijan Robinson puts the team on his back and just handles it, right? He, he had a great season. He a lot of times seemed like he was the only thing that was going right. Him and uh, Roshan Johnson is uh, backup. They're, they're you know, balling at times. And so you know, I, I think, you know, Bijan obviously should have been invited at the very least, maybe out of four, he might have been, you know, number five, barely fifth out. But, you know, I, I do think he should have deserved at least more consideration than he got to be there. And then Blake Corum. I mean, talk about a guy being the team's offense for so much of the year. Uh, Corum finishes uh, with 1,463 yards, 5.9 average, 18 touchdowns as well for him. Uh, he had eight games of 100 plus yards rushing. 
and 243 against Maryland, which was a game that they did not win by as big a margin as they probably should have. I think if I'm remembering correctly, that was their first real game against, you know, a team with a pulse or, you know, anything close to like a full roster. And so (laughs) he he had a huge game there, kept him in that one, kept him in so many games this year. Obviously the injury against Illinois kind of, maybe limited the numbers that he could have had to finish the year with. I think if he was able to finish the season, he probably would have gotten an invite uh, to New York. But, you know, ifs, ands, and buts, we're not going to go there with it. At the end of the day, he was one of the more explosive players in college football. He was must-watch when he was on the screen. And, man, I I just thought these two running backs had sensational seasons in a year where quarterbacks didn't necessarily step up to win and to show you that they were the guy. I think we talked about this a little bit. The quarterbacks didn't really prove to us this year that any of them deserved it more than the other one. Why not give a running back a chance, right? Why not give a running back that that was the team's offense that showed that he was that guy that he could pull through in the clutch, you know, especially a guy like Corum where they needed him in situations to win and he did not fail to deliver for them all year long. So I, I you know, I, I'll, I'll save my, my musings on the Heisman, uh, at least the extended edition for another pod. But, you know, I, I think that these two guys deserved to be in the conversation and honestly had a couple of incredible seasons that I sure won't be forgetting anytime soon. Yeah, I agree. It's, it really has become the quarterback invitational up there in New York. And um, I, I don't think that's really what the award is is supposed to be. Uh, speaking of quarterbacks, though, and there were three of them that we invited USC quarterback Caleb Williams had the most impressive total season, I think, over 4,000 yards, 66% pass completion percentage, uh, 37 touchdowns, four interceptions. Ohio State's quarterback C.J. Stroud, not as big of a season as I think a lot of people expected, including myself, uh, over 3,300 uh, 3, yards, a 66% pass completion 37 touchdowns, six interceptions. So you look at the stats and you say, what, 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 are you, what are you talking about? That looks like a pretty good season to me. In the biggest moments, though, specifically against Michigan, right? Yeah. He really struggled. And or just, if it was windy or something. Yeah, well, I mean, listen, I, I, I'm not going to hold it against him for, for uh, 40-mile-an-hour wins. But no, I'm just messing. I'm just messing. not, you know, and they only, they only lost one game. They're in the college football yeah. playoffs. So maybe we're being harsh, but... Uh, I think in the one moment that he needed to step up at home, he did not do that. And then Tennessee quarterback Hendon Hooker, how he was the Heisman front runner like two weeks ago, and then he gets hurt, and suddenly he's not even on the ballot anymore. I think that's yeah. just a miscarriage of justice by the voters uh, for for the Heisman, which just increasingly make me scratch my head. Thirty one hundred yards, but again, that's in ten games, or well, I guess. 10 and a half games 10 ish uh, yeah 69 uh, percent pass completion 27 touchdowns just two interceptions so an incredibly efficient year from Hendon Hooker all of that said though and, and with the running backs considered there still is one player that when you do a blind taste test when you look at what they did clearly maybe not head and shoulders but but the clear pick for our podsman he won the Heisman Award, and we will give our first annual Three Tech Podsman to USC quarterback Caleb Williams. Yeah. Did not get it done in the Pac-12 championship game, but I think a bright future ahead for USC. Absolutely. And look, he's going to continue to be a thorn in the side of the college football world for a while. Uh, I, I am scared for Utah next year based on the way that it went this year. I mean, obviously you got him twice. 
uh, losing Clark Phillips, who we'll talk about actually in a little bit, is going to be an issue for them. And, and I think he's going to just take it out on Utah next year. If you take out the two Utah games, flawless season for Caleb Williams. Mm-hmm. I mean, there I can't remember what it was, but I think at the end of the UCLA game, they put a graphic up on the screen and, you know, he hadn't passed for something like less than 340 yards in the past six games or something like that. Just putting up insane numbers from the quarterback spot. A little bit of a slower start, I think, to the season. But, man, he just kind of caught his stride there a couple games in and never looked back. And, you know, if he was able to maybe win one or two more games, we could be talking about one of the more special seasons we've ever seen, as it is definitely worthy of the Pogsman this year. Yeah, uh, I think, you know, I, I didn't. we didn't come into this award show just – totally sold that we were going to give it to him but then once you type out the stats and numbers it, yeah. it's, it's it's where you got to go so uh congratulations to caleb williams many national awards and also now he can add a podsman to his uh to his trophy Which really is the one that matters that's right that's right uh let's move over, over to defensive mvp uh don't need to explain this very much it's the best all-around defender in the country but I will say, Garrett, is is I turn this over to you to run down some of these candidates. We we nominated what five. Uh, we took into consideration all levels of college football, which the national media just really seems not to do. Right. And if you're looking for what the national award for defensive MVP was, I think it. Uh, I've, I've forgotten exactly what the what the award is called. I'll see if I can. Uh, look it up here, just live radio. Of course, I'm not going to be able to find it right now. Uh, Will Anderson, Edge from Bama, won it. And yeah. he had an impressive season. He's going to be considered for another award as well. So you're, you're going to get a double dip of, uh, of Will Anderson here. But there are guys that you maybe didn't hear of in the national headlines because of, of who they play for because they weren't the Alabamas or the Clemsons and they didn't fit ESPN's narrative, we want to give them full consideration because when you're putting up gaudy numbers like uh, Nick Herbig or Jose Ramirez or Quinion Mitchell or even Clark Phillips like you talked about, you deserve consideration for the nation's highest award. So run us down our five finalists starting with Bama Edge, Will Anderson. Yeah, for sure. So Will Anderson, obviously, you knew he was going to be here. We'll start with a, a team. Sometimes it feels like they just pick the best defensive players on the best teams because mm-hmm. they don't want to do their research and they don't want to try to look through the 11 starters for all 130 teams. But uh, anyways, we'll start with one of the best ones on one of the best teams. Will Anderson, 17 tackles for loss, 10 sacks, a pick six. I mean, if you watch the guy play, he just jumped off the screen at you. Sure. He, he was one of the best players in the you know entire nation last year. Um, maybe in a year where there was a little bit more individual standout talent this year, he doesn't get as much notice or consideration, but still a fantastic year. One of the best defensive players in the country, and he's going to make an NFL team extremely happy in short order. Um, you said Nick Herbig, obviously 15 and a half tackles for loss, 11 sacks, two forced fumbles. He was incredible for Wisconsin. Obviously not the year they wanted in Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely not necessarily the results they went on the field, but it wasn't Nick's fault. You know, He did his part, and he, he did a lot of good. Eastern Michigan edge, Jose Ramirez, 12 sacks, 19 and a half tackles for loss, 63 total tackles, and two forced fumbles. This is a guy who's obviously, you know, we mentioned it, slept on. He's just not getting talked about because he plays for Eastern Michigan. That's all that it comes down to. He's not getting the credit he deserves, um, but he's been incredible this season. A, A terror coming off the edge almost unblockable at times. I mean, mm-hmm. you, the amount of holding penalties that get called and probably not called against him. Sure. <laughs> you, you know, there's that happens with a lot of those, you know, premier elite edge guys 
where, you know, you, you see them like, how did that not get called? You're like, yeah, you're not going to get called unless you throw them <laughs> onto the ground for a lot of these guys. Yeah. And then we're not going to just stay on the guys who are always there in the limelight, right? Let's stay on the guys who don't maybe necessarily get noticed all the time. Toledo corner, Quinion Mitchell, 20 pass breakups, five interceptions, 25 tackles, uh, fantastic cover, man. And the guy that I really wanted to highlight here, Clark Phillips, the third, the corner from Utah. Okay, six interceptions on the tees, on the season, two touchdowns from that. I think he had a three-interception game against Oregon State. Six passes defended and 24 total tackles. Those don't look like massive numbers. Obviously, the interception number is great. Yeah. The touchdowns are great. But why didn't he have more pass breakups? Why didn't he have any more tack? Nobody threw at him. Yeah. They just wouldn't throw at him the whole year. He's the definition of an island corner. I think he got pro football focus's highest graded defender on the year. I might That might be a couple weeks out of date, but... Uh, you look at even the way that, you know, he'd play the the big play for me in my mind when I think about him was in the Pac-12 championship game against USC. They were, you know, maybe third and goal from the three or something mm-hmm. like that. And they throw a real quick slant to Jordan Addison. That's the route that Addison wins against every corner in America, unless your name is Clark Phillips the third. He he got in the way of it. He broke at the right time, put a hand on the ball, batted it away, made them settle for three, and that was where they went up 17-3, to three, and then obviously Utah comes and storms back. I can't help but think maybe if they get the touchdown there, 21-3, to three, Utah packs it in. So, yeah. you know, <clears throat> I think that Clark Phillips is one of the best players in the country. Another one of those going to make an NFL team very happy. I, I went through to kind of figure out what his target numbers were this year. And all I saw were, should the Bears target him in the draft? Should the Rams target him in the draft? Should the Cowboys target him in the draft? And it was just all these guys talking about how they should target him as one of their sure. best draft picks. So he'll be off the board in quick order. But a, a fantastic display of defense from all these guys that we've seen. Uh, and really just one of them stood out amongst the rest. I don't know if you want to take him, Mitch. Yeah, uh, well, I, I want to mention Toledo cornerback uh, one more time, Quinion Mitchell, just a sophomore. So the rest of these guys, yeah. seniors, draft eligible guys, Quinion Mitchell, you may have never heard of him because he plays for Toledo, but just a sophomore, 20 passes defended. That is un- incredible. Uh, and mm-hmm. then throw in five interceptions, 25 solo tackles. He had 40 total tackles. But the guy that we're going to give the defensive MVP to, another guy you may not have heard of, is Edge from Eastern Michigan, Jose Ramirez. I looked at his tackle for loss numbers. 19 and a half tackles for loss. That's good for second in the country behind an Edge from Liberty, who we'll talk about in just a little bit. 101 yards lost on his tackle, wow. which is second best in the country. Ridiculous. And again, you may have never heard of him because he plays up at the factory in Eastern Michigan. They went eight and four, though. It's not like they had a bad season. They're in the famous Idaho Potato Bowl against San Jose State. He's a senior, a guy that I'm really excited to see where he goes in the draft come April. And I'm excited when we start our draft coverage, which I think we will bring to the channel. Uh, Still determining when kind of what what dosage we're going to bring that, but I'm really looking forward to, uh, to some coverage there. I think he's a guy that I'm really curious to see where he goes in a lot of draft boards as we start putting these together. So I know that Will Anderson won this. And look, competition at Bama is far different than competition at Eastern Michigan. But when you look at the numbers that this senior was able to put on the field, this is why we want to give a highlight and a spotlight to these guys. 12 sacks, which was top 10 in the country. Second in the in the in the country in tackles for loss, sixty three total tackles. Plus, he's forcing turnovers. 
Jose Ramirez is our uh, first ever defensive MVP. But if you're a Will Anderson fan, you're looking for some sort of accolade, don't go anywhere. We'll talk about him more in just a little bit. Garrett, you put this list together. It's our Ted Lasso Award, Best Head Coach of the Year. We've got five nominees for this. Sonny Dykes from TCU, your boy Mike Elko from Duke, uh, Lincoln mm-hmm. Riley at USC, Jim Harbaugh at Michigan, and Willie Fritz at Tulane. Take it away, my friend. Yeah, no, so this one's just about, you know, who comes in here and gets the most out of the team. We're not saying that guys like Ryan Day or Nick Saban aren't good coaches, but in years where they had things to overcome and they had, you know, maybe challenges, which guy did the best job actually coaching his team? Uh, starting off with Sonny Dykes, obviously first year at TCU, uh, and, you know, I don't know if you've been under a rock or don't know what happened, but TCU made the playoff <laughs> and they made the three seed overall, um, despite the fact that they didn't end up winning their conference, which is, I think, an increasingly difficult thing to do is to not win your conference and still find a way into the playoff. They were just that good in their games. Uh, you know, TCU, they finished sixth in scoring offense. They finished 58th in scoring defense. Obviously, the Big 12 plays a different style of football. And so you're going to naturally lend to a little bit higher scores in the Big 12. But one of the better strength of schedules, I think they had the best strength of record going into the playoff. They, they might have changed that after the after the uh, championship games. But going into championship games, they had the hardest strength of record. Um, I mean, just fantastic job. And, and he got it done with players who maybe weren't as highly rated, maybe not necessarily as just raw athletic talent. Uh, but he got the most out of his guys, guys like Max Duggan, Kendra Miller, you know, getting the most out of these guys, Quentin Johnson as well, and, and turning these guys into names that we're going to be paying attention to when realistically these would be guys that probably get overlooked, maybe transfer guys at the end of the year. And realistically, these guys have put together a fantastic season. Uh, going over to Duke with Mike Elko, Mike Elko did a fantastic job taking a Duke team that, I mean, they were bad, like really bad, grade A level bad for a few years there. And just kind of bringing a new energy to the team. You know, I I highlighted it off the front of the season. I thought he was going to come in there and win some games he shouldn't just off of his scheme. And wow, let me tell you, they sure did. Points per game, 34th. Points against them, 37th. Again, in a heavily offensive ACC where, you know, we talked about it going into the year. There were some quarterbacks and some players that we thought were going to explode when it came to just scoring. And obviously Duke, maybe not the the you know, elite expectations, the, you know, elite results that the other teams on this list have, but man, they they turned it around in year one under Mike Elko, a fantastic Mm -hmm. job that should not be overlooked by anybody. USC, uh, we went with uh, Lincoln Riley here for our third option. USC had a fantastic year. We already kind of talked about that. Their only losses came to Utah twice, Yep, almost made the playoff. If not for just being able to, to overcome Utah the second time in Vegas, um, but look, I mean, this is this is Lincoln Riley. We know him from Oklahoma. He did a great job there for years. And he you know, we, we speculated that we didn't know how long it was going to take to turn the team around. And, sure. you know, is there going to be maybe a culture issue with so many transfers coming in that they're not going to get on the same page or understand his coaching style? No issues there. Eleven and two. Not a bad year by any means. And so would they like to have been in the playoffs? Would they like to have been 12 and one with the championship? Sure. But. Still not a bad year for Lincoln Riley and the USC Trojans there. Uh, we picked Jim Harbaugh for our fourth option. Obviously, we know Michigan. They had their success last year and this year. Since being on the hot seat, uh, this guy's lost two games. and <laughs> the One of them was to the eventual national champion, Georgia Bulldogs. 
And the other one was in a weird snowy game where, you know, I know that some Michigan fans still disagree with some of those calls there uh, and think that they maybe should have found a way out of that one. And sure. I mean, it just took a Kenneth Walker miracle to keep Michigan state in that game against yep. him. So undefeated this year, um, they finished with the fifth best scoring defense and the seventh best scoring offense, highly underrated the job that they've done on the offensive side of the ball. Um, you know, McCarthy, he took a little while to develop this year, but Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards have just been stealing the show all year. They've gotten enough from their wide receivers and man, that defense is just a different level. They're nasty. Mm -hmm. They play really well. They don't give up scoring. And again, this is a team that went into Columbus and held a vaulted, you know, Ohio state offense to what? 23 points. I mean, they didn't score anything. They didn't score, but three points in the second half. So another fantastic job by Jim Harbaugh. And then Tulane, we come over to Willie Fritz. Uh, you know, we we go 11-2 this year. Uh, great scoring offense and defense, you know, given the, the competition level, especially 21st in scoring offense, 26th in scoring defense. Mm-hmm. End up in the Cotton Bowl against USC in a year where, and I don't know about you, but I did not have much for Tulane this year. I thought they were oh. going to be okay. I thought they might be, you know, sort of middle of the pack. I did not see this performance coming. They didn't but have to a win. Game. Yeah, no, didn't even have him there. So, but to have this kind of a season where, you know, you win your conference for, I mean, was it the first time ever they won the conference? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's incredible the job that he was able to do this year to get a lot out of these guys, guys like Ty J Spears, Michael Pratt had a fantastic season, a quarterback for them. So really just excited to see where they can go from there, maybe see if they can hang on and, you know, get Willie Fritz to, to stick around for a little while or if a, a bigger program eventually comes by and maybe poaches him, but the job that he did here should not be overlooked uh, either. So those are kind of our five head coaching options. Which one did we go with for our winner? Well, if I think if TCU doesn't make the playoff, maybe there's a case to, to go with somebody else. But listen, year one, not really sure what to expect from TCU. I don't think any of us had them in a bowl game. They go, they, they go undefeated in the regular season. Yes, they lose the Big 12 championship game to Kansas State, but the first team from the Lone Star State in Texas to get into the college football playoff, he won the you know the mainstream head coach of the year. He's going to win our Ted Lasso Award as well. Congratulations to Sonny Dykes for winning the 3Tech Pod Coach of the Year. Yeah, I, I can, I can swing job. by and take it to him as well. You know, I, I work in Fort Worth, so I can just you know swing by the office. Whenever you want to, Coach Dykes, I'll bring it by. Just let me know. That's right. Basically, neighbors, uh, you, you can expect a, a hand, <laughs> hand-delivered trophy there. Um, all right, well, let's go ahead and move on to our best running back of the year, what we've termed the Pony Express Wagon of the Year. Do with that with, uh, with what you will. Uh, five... Uh, nominees here as well. We've talked about Texas running back Bijan Robinson and Michigan running back Blake Corum already. We've given you their stats. We'll, we'll loop them in here. But three other nominees that we have: Chase Brown at Illinois, who basically was the offense for the Fighting Illini; Dwayne McBride at UAB, who I just wrote about in our bowl preview for uh, not the Cure Bowl, the Bahamas Bowl. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited to see him play as as of recording this pod he's still playing in that still bowl playing, game hopefully uh over 1700 yards for the blazers and then israel abanaconda uh, which ooh, that's a name that's and a, a name it <laughs> one of the most efficient runners as far as getting into the end zone this year on a per carry basis also didn't have any fumbles in over 200 rushing attempts from the line of scrimmage 
out of those three, which were you most impressed with as we went throughout this season? Well, man, I got to tell you what, Chase Brown was the offense for Illinois. He was the only thing that worked at times. He's the only thing they tried at times. I mean, they, they just said, hey, we're going to give it to the hot hand and we're sure. going to keep Chase Brown going. I don't know where his you know final total snap count came based on the plays that they ran, but he was up over 50% of the plays that they were running yeah. you know, midway to even to the later part of the season. So he was obviously very impressive. Uh, you know, Abanaconda, he was the the touchdown leader out of the running backs this year. Uh, he ends up with 20 touchdowns on the ground. I think he added one receiving as well. But mm-hmm. you know, as far as rushing touchdowns, he was, you know, incredible, a, a bright spot and an otherwise maybe disappointing year for Pitt. But I, I think the most impressive running back, maybe not even just in these three, but I think accounting for the competition, Dwayne McBride is sensational. I mean, 1,700 yards. I think that was your yardage leader mm-hmm. from the running backs. 7.4 carry. I mean, ridiculous numbers to get 7.4 every time you're touching the rock. And no fumbles on 233 attempts. Yeah. Not fumble the football to, to be the guy that, you know, takes UAB to this level. I'm extremely impressed with the job that he did. Um, but does he win our Pony Express wagon of the year? <laughs> He doesn't, and because we couldn't give Bijan Robinson the podsman, we're going to give him the Wagon of the Year award. Look, Bijan was the Texas offense, at least from a consistency standpoint. Yeah. If Texas wins 10 games this year, he's in New York. He was so yeah. incredibly impressive from an average uh, carry standpoint, 6.1 a tote, 18 touchdowns. He adds two more in the receiving game as well, and to not fumble the football when he is the go-to man to move the chains for the burnt orange. I just think he was not criminally underappreciated because the media will always cover Texas, but as far as consideration for a national award, I just I, I looked at what he did and what he meant to Texas and thought, man, he should really get a little bit more love here. Love what Dwayne McBride did. I love what all these running backs did. Uh, and I, I think in maybe a different a different year, McBride probably follows the Jose Ramirez model where it's like, look, man, look at the stats. Uh, look what mm-hmm. he's done. Look how much he meant to his team. But all things considered, we know that Bijan Robinson might even be an early mid first round pick. That's how much teams are going to value him. He is, I believe he finished as the third leading rusher in Texas football history behind what is it, Earl Campbell and Ricky Williams, I think actually swapped that order. Um, but an all-time great mm-hmm. to to ever do it in college football, and uh, we needed to give Bijan an award this year, so he'll get the Pony Express wagon of the year from the three technique. Yeah, well, and the big thing about it too is I think just what he was able to add in the receiving game. Mm-hmm. You know, today's running back, it's not just about running the football. It's not just about you know get the rock and make something happen. To be able to catch the ball out of the backfield, make guys miss you know, wheel routes, angle routes, things like that, just to kind of give the offense a different dimension. I, I think that, you know, man, I'm just so disappointed that, you know, Texas wasn't able to do more around him mm-hmm. to make them a little bit more competitive, right? You know, you, you come in and you've got a younger quarterback who plenty of talent, but maybe struggles with consistency at times. So what do you want to do? Give them some high percentage throws to guys that are going to make guys miss, right? Give them a little shot out of the flat more time. And and I don't think they used him enough in that way. I, I do think that they used him well, obviously. I mean, he had an incredible year stats wise, 
And so obviously I'm not saying he had a bad year, but just a little bit more. I would like to see more to give them the ability to be a little bit more competitive in some of those games. And, you know, it's really a shame that they weren't able to win some more games to highlight what he was able to do. And and like you were saying, to get him a seat in New York. All right, well, let's go down to another quarterback-centric award, the That's My Quarterback, shout-out Terrell Owens Award, <laughs> best quarterback for a surprise team, right? So you're you're going to hear on a national scale, uh, scale about the C.J. Strouds, the Caleb Williams. But Garrett, you mentioned in our group, Texas, we were planning this, you wanted to highlight some of those other quarterbacks that weren't going to get a Heisman uh, or right. weren't going to get you know, the, the, what is it? The Walter camp award or anything like that. It still had amazing seasons run us through. We have five nominees for this as well. And, and kind of where you were thinking as we planned this award out. Yeah. So, you know, my hope for this was to say there's some incredible quarterback, you know, performances that just get overlooked because the team wasn't top 10 into the year, right? They weren't a team that was really competing. Maybe they were competing for their conference, but maybe not for a national spot in the playoff or something. And so we just didn't pay attention to them as much. And so I wanted to kind of highlight some of these guys, a guy that is absolutely loved on the pod right now. First one is UTSA's quarterback, Frank Harris, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, has 3,800 yards, 71% completion, 71% completions is incredible. Yeah. 31 touchdowns, seven interceptions, and noted as well, a two-time CUSA champ. So congrats on that and, and, you know, being able to kind of sidebar there, the the parade or the, I don't even know what oh. you call it, if it's a parade on the river. That was but amazing. Was, that was just incredible and, you know, letting the band play neck and all that. That was that was just so much fun to watch and, you know, we're going to have to make it down if they can do it for, you know, a three time. I, I won't miss it a third time. Just Frank Harris is coming back. It's, it's very there real. There we go. There yeah. we go. Three time. Let's make it happen. Um, the second one we got on here, Washington's quarterback, Michael Penix Jr., uh, you know, obviously transfers in but has 4,300 yards. To, to put it in perspective, he actually outthrew Caleb Williams by 350 yards. Doesn't get talked about in the same breath. I know Washington didn't have the season that USC had. I know that. And, and I'm certainly not saying that that's that way, you know, that, that he should have been a Heisman guy. You know, if if USC wasn't able to run the ball, Caleb Williams probably throws for over 5,000 yards. <laughs> he just would have had to. He, and I believe he could have as well. Um, but no, 66% completions, 29 touchdowns, seven interceptions made Washington relevant for the first time in a couple of years. I feel like Washington hasn't really been a, a name that we've talked about in terms of teams that compete up there. Um, and, and they were finally, you know, end of the season, all eyes were on them to figure out who was going to the, the championship game. Maybe not for them, but, you know, they were relevant and they were in the competition for, yeah. you know, who would end up making it there. Um, staying out there on the coast, UCLA's quarterback, Dorian Thompson Robinson, uh, 2,800 yards, 70% completions, 25 touchdowns, seven interceptions, just a warrior. I think we overuse that term, but, you know, he was putting everything out there, especially in that USC game. I, I had so much respect for him in that game, just being able to to continue to fight. He, I think he smashed up his hand at some point and just was like bleeding and had like a thumb that was bad or something like that and all taped up. And he just goes out there, keeps throwing and, and trying to keep him in the game. Came up short, but man, what a season for him, especially what he's able to add with his legs as well and, and being able to kind of be that dual threat quarterback. He, he was fantastic this year. Tulane's quarterback, mentioned him a little bit earlier, Michael Pratt, 2,700 yards, 64% completions, 25 touchdowns, and five interceptions. Again, maybe not talking about him as much because he's Tulane, but man, Michael Pratt, a fantastic season for them. We talked about their success this year. That is in no small part due to him. Sure. Um, and then TCU, Quarterback Max Duggan, 
look, he was a Heisman finalist, but if we're talking about surprise teams, TCU is as surprised a team as you can get. Like we were saying, didn't expect him to make a bowl game. Here they are in the playoff. He had 3,300 yards, 64% completions, uh, 30 touchdowns to four interceptions, and he added 404 rushing yards and another six touchdowns there. Just a fantastic year for him. I, I don't think he necessarily looks like the best you know, pro prospect. I don't think he looks like you know, the kind of guy who's going to beat you every single game just on his arm talent. But man, he just seems to have that fight, that competitor in him. Mm-hmm. He got that dog in him, right? He he, he absolutely <laughs> fights week in and week out. And we talked about how many times they came back and still won after trailing at the half or something. That's, that's coming from your quarterback first and foremost. You know, yeah. I think him being able to take over in that first game and make that his offense, fantastic job for him this season. I, I think when you look at the numbers, uh, there's a clear winner here. Now, I really wanted to, when we came into this, I wanted to give it to Frank Harris. Uh, I, I think oh, yeah. he had a tremendous year. UTSA was one of the most fun teams to watch. But just from a statistic standpoint, from what Washington did most weeks of the season, now they had some weird losses like to Arizona State. That was a bizarre loss. But yeah. a very competitive team. I think Kalen DeBoer got that program turned in the right direction. And Michael Penix Jr. is coming back for another year. Oh, yeah. Michael Penix Jr. taking home the That's My Quarterback Award. Best quarterback, quarterback for a surprise team here in 2022. I can't wait to see what he does next year. I think he's going to be a yeah. heck of an NFL prospect as well. I will not be swinging by to drop that award off. That is a long drive for me here in Texas. So <laughs> we'll not right. be dropping that award off. Uh, you know, Michael, if you're if you're listening for some reason, get in contact. We'll find a way to mail it to you. Yeah. Slide slide in the DMs. We're we're mailing uh, mini helmets out. We can we can mail we'll your get you one well. too. That's right. He's down there somewhere. Now that's obviously the maybe edited version of the famous saying, but I'm trying to keep this a family friendly podcast. <laughs> Missed a couple of words on the front end, but we're good. I, I did a uh, heck it. He's down there somewhere, if you will. Best wide receiver of the year. Four guys that really that really stood out here. Right, it is just tops uh, from a receiver standpoint. Nathaniel Dell got a lot of love from Houston. Won uh, several local awards as the best receiver. Over 100 catches for 1,300 yards, 13.1 a catch. He had 15 touchdowns for a Houston team that started abysmally and then really came on late in the season, had an outside shot at going to the American title game. Uh, Marvin Harrison Jr., many people are calling him him at the Ohio State University, 72 catches for 1,100-plus yards, 16.1 per catch, 12 touchdowns. Xavier Hutchinson, a very unsung guy just because of the year that Ohio or Iowa State had. Only six, uh, six touchdown catches, excuse me, but 107 catches on the year for 1,171 yards, 10.9 per reception. And then Jalen Hyatt, I, I don't think we need to mince words here. Jalen Hyatt was a phenomenal receiver to watch at Tennessee this year. 67 catches for nearly 1,300 yards. 19 yards per reception if you round up by just 0.1, 15 touchdowns. He's our he's down there somewhere award winner. What made Jalen Hyatt so special this season? 
Oh my gosh. I mean, it, the answer is not Hendon Hooker. That's not the answer. Hendon Hooker is fantastic, but I think at times Jalen Hyatt was making Hendon Hooker, especially when you bring in the Alabama game to to account. Mm-hmm. He, I mean, what was it, five touchdowns in that game? It was yeah. something ridiculous like that where he just he was all of their offense. He scored mm-hmm. every time he touched the ball, pretty much. And, and man, like not the catches numbers you'd want to see. Sixty-seven catches isn't necessarily a huge number. But man, he just did the most with his catches. And and I think that, you know, the way that they run their offense, they don't necessarily have a number one. They do like to spread it around. They do like to kind of keep it mixed in what they're doing. And that's why Tennessee's offense works. But to have 67 catches in that offense, I think, is is a, a testament to how good and how talented he is that he's just always open. He he's got the speed. He's got as much talent as anyone else on this list. I think maybe Marvin Harrison Jr. is maybe a little bit more talented just from a just a pure talent standpoint. But, yeah. I mean, Hyatt, he's just doing so much. He did so much for a Tennessee team that, I mean, just even a year or two ago wasn't necessarily competitive. Turns them around, you know, part of that sensational season for them. Man, I, I just wish that Tennessee had finished stronger. I know that it's part of Hendon yeah. Hooker getting hurt, but man, if they had just finished a little stronger and really had been in that playoff talk, I do believe they would have ended up in the playoff if you know that whole situation unfolded. But they had been in the talks as well, maybe with the one mm-hmm. loss. And man, I think that that would just been so much fun to watch and get a rematch between them and Georgia and see what Jalen Hyatt could do on a neutral field. But he he's down there somewhere he's amazing and he, he's been a fantastic receiver excited to see what's forward for him and you know for those of you going now wait why didn't marvin harrison jr win this or nathaniel dell both of them were the offense for their team i think what jalen hyatt did so well was he was so incredibly efficient right his his ability to create play after the catch and to separate at an elite yeah. level to where not only is he just open for a touchdown pass, he was open by 15, 20 yards mm-hmm. after shaking a cornerback at the line of scrimmage. Now, Marvin Harrison Jr., maybe the, the human highlight reel, made some incredible catches. And we're not taking anything away from, from the season that he had. But to me, when you combine everything, route running, hands, the ability to make those special catches, and just overall efficiency, right? When you throw a pass, you're hoping your guy can go out create a play that that ultimately ends up in the end zone that was Jalen Hyatt this season yeah. and uh you know was was really really fun to watch him well and Marvin Harrison Jr he didn't necessarily win his team a game you know I, I don't think that there's a moment where he said wow he took over the game he he was certainly fantastic at moments there were moments where he was I mean one of the best players on the field but I don't think there was a moment where you really said he took over this game he was great against Penn State I, I think that was the one where he had the the couple of late scores or I might be thinking of a different game, but um, but no, he he was fantastic at times, and you know there were definitely moments where he, you know he was supposed to be best receiver in the country. I I thought I would come into this saying yeah for sure, but when you just look at what Jalen Hyatt was able to do, winning games and in individual performances. I mean, they don't win against Bama unless Jalen Hyatt's on the field. Right. right? You could, you you can't just plug in somebody else and ask him to score five touchdowns. That's that's almost unheard of, and so. You know, I think that's really where the difference comes is it's the skill level. It's the the ability to shake guys and to get open downfield. But just the fact that he has that X factor, there's that something else about him that was able to win games and, and really make the difference for Tennessee at times this year. All right, we've got the Monstars Award. Remember, we talked about defensive players, defensive excellence with the MVP award. This is an interesting one that as I sat down and thought more about, all right, who, how can we also work defense in in somewhat of a unique way 
I came up with the most feared defensive player. So four guys here, and we've talked about two of them, Bama Edge, Will Anderson, Wisconsin linebacker, Nick Herbig. Also, Texas Tech edge Tyree Wilson, who had 14 tackles for loss, seven sacks, forced a fumble. And then Liberty edge Darrell Johnson, who, again, another guy you may not have heard of because I think part of it is because Liberty kind of flopped at the end of the season. Eight sacks, 22 and a half tackles for loss. That is by far the tops in the country by three full tackles. 49 total tackles for him on the season. He also had an interception. These four guys, when I look at their performance, when I look at them lining up across from my quarterback, they strike fear in me as as the offense, right? And I think this is something that is more of an NFL style award, right? You hear a lot Mm -hmm. of kind of the most feared players at the NFL level. At the college level, though, just because there are so many players, we wanted to highlight a few of them that really cause a lot of ruckus in the backfield. But I did mention that if you were a Will Anderson fan, you should not go anywhere. We're giving him our 2022 oh, yeah. Monstars Award, and we talked about it earlier. He's going to be maybe even a top five draft pick. Yeah. What has he meant to the Crimson Tide over the last couple of years, really starting in his sophomore year when he just came out of nowhere, had 21 sacks, really should have been a finalist for the Heisman, but he has helped that Bama defense be elite over the last couple of seasons. Right, and... The important thing here is, I mean, he's been sensational on a Bama defense that's had a little bit of an issue in certain areas yep. over the last couple of years, right? Especially on the back end, you know, <clears throat> having guys that can't quite keep coverage as well as they had in the past. And, you know, I'm sure they're getting that figured out. It's Bama. They'll figure out the talent gap. But, man, he's been able to get after the quarterback. He, I mean, Will Anderson like eats people. He's he's just terrifying. He's not the guy that I want to you know go up against if I'm an offensive lineman. Very few have had success blocking him the past couple of years, you know, and, and actually keeping him away from the quarterback consistently. Um, and, and at the end of the day, he's just a dominating force. He, he's terrifying coming off the edge. He affects quarterbacks not even just by the way that he's playing. You know, maybe play to play, but just seeing him coming off the edge, it makes you feel like your clock gets rushed a little bit, makes you feel like you got to get the ball out a little bit quicker. It's going to rush your decision making and you're not going to be focusing on what the coverage does because you're thinking about getting away from the guy who's coming after you. And so, you know, I think Will Anderson, clear choice here. The other three guys are fantastic. I mean, Darrell Johnson, obviously, with just ridiculous numbers. And I'm really curious to see where he goes in the draft. Or I don't know if he's draft eligible this year, but where he ends up eventually going in the draft when it's his mm-hmm. time and, and to see what kind of a difference he can make. But, man, Will Anderson, he's that guy. If he's not a top five pick, I don't know. It'd have to be one of those you know, gas mask situations come out where you know something completely irrelevant to his skill comes out because he's he's a surefire top five pick in that regard. No doubt about it. I yeah. I, I think he's gonna make. I think he's gonna make a, a, a lot of. Uh, well, one NFL team. He's gonna make a lot of draft scouts very very happy this year. He's gonna yeah. make one franchise very very happy come April. And several other franchises very upset. That's right. You do not want Will Anderson Jr. in your division. I promise you that. All right. Final award of the night, and um, maybe we're not ending it on the most. The highest of notes, uh, but I think it will, if you've stuck around to this long in the episode, you might get a kick out of this. The Weenie Hut Juniors Cancun Team of the Year, i.e. the team that was most disappointing this season. Garrett, we've got three just 
all-time nominees. Uh, Texas A&M, preseason number five. They finished five and seven. Do not make a bowl game. Oklahoma, preseason number 10. Talking a lot of smack this offseason mm-hmm. under new head coach Brent Venables. They go six and six. Their worst record yep. since 90s. Miami, preseason number 16. You talk about smack talk and just kind of belligerent fans on Twitter. Yeah, Miami was talking that smoke with Mario Cristobal in his first season. They finished five and seven. They will not go bowling. Um, all three of these teams had their woes, took their lumps, failed in in massive ways. Maybe, do you have one thing for kind of each team that was most most disappointing for you? Like for Miami, it's clearly their defense. For Texas A and M, for me, it's their offense. And I, I think for Oklahoma, it's it's defense as well. What what about all of these three teams just kind of made you want to turn it off at points this season? I think each of these three teams, you can boil it down to coaching. You can just boil it down to the fact that, you know, well, I'll start with Miami, right? They bring in a new coach. He's supposed to, you know, you know, revolutionize the offense and get the most out of Tyler Van Dyke. We were talking about Tyler Van Dyke being a preseason high as possible. Yeah, he point. got benched a couple of times. Like he, he didn't. He didn't do particularly well this season. And so I think for for all the hype that was supposed to come along with Miami to finish five and seven, you're not necessarily upset at the record. It's more the way they played and got to that record, I think, mm-hmm. that that Miami fans should be upset about. You know, for Oklahoma, you bring in Venables. Obviously, he's an Oklahoma guy. You you appreciate getting to bring him, you know, back to to Norman. But I mean, man, he's a defensive coach for you know years, and he coached one of the best defenses of all time at Clemson, and he's got this you know elite unit of defense. All four of those guys went first round of the draft, and you know keeps those guys coming and wins a couple champ. And to come in and have such an abysmal defensive performance with that supposed to be your wheelhouse, you know, forget about the losses, forget about some disappointments, and getting just trounced by Texas. Yeah, uh, you know, forty nine is not a fun number in the state of Oklahoma right now, but. You know, to to be that disappointing, I think, on the field, I think is a problem. And then, look, there's no way around it for Texas A&M. Completely unacceptable job the whole way through. You you have one of the most talented rosters in the country, according to 24-7 Sports. You you have lots of expectations. You have some leadership coming back on both sides of the ball. And to not be able to, I, I mean, stay competitive in this. They win, what, like two conference games all year? And, you know, I still don't know how they beat LSU at the end of the year. Um, to, to put out that performance was such a bad offensive performance after bringing in that many five-star guys in your freshman class, after having that much talent supposedly on your roster from previous years, to not even field a competitive team in most of these games. Very disappointing for AM. and And, again, all three of these teams, it just comes down to the coaches. They didn't do the thing that you thought they were going to do, mm-hmm. and it was really, really disappointing for, for each of these three programs. Would you would you like to crown our Weenie Hut Junior Team of the Year? I think, you know, listen, we've covered all of these teams throughout this season. I think it's pretty obvious who who has to take the crown this year, but it gives us no pleasure. No, yeah, the, our, our Weenie Hut Junior Cancun Team of the Year is the Texas A&M Maggies. Congratulations, you won something this year, I guess. Um, <laughs> maybe didn't want to, but you win it. Uh, look, I, at the end of the day, what happened this year for A&M is they had a super talented roster with championship expectations within the next year or so, and it, it reset that. You've got to go find a new offensive coordinator because apparently your offensive genius head coach is 10 years behind or something. <laughs> yeah. I, it, it, 
apparently, you know, there's like culture issues with some guys. You can't recruit and finish on several in-state targets. There's, there's just so many issues that have come along with this program the last several months. It's left a lot of Aggie fans, you know, just kind of questioning what happened, right? What has actually happened that, that we've gotten to this point? Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, yeah, it, it's, you know, several years in for Jimbo Fisher. You would hope you would have had this figured out. The real difference there is Venables and, you know, um, you know, Cristobal at Miami, I can't. I want to say Ruiz again. It's not Ruiz, uh, but Cristobal at Miami. Th- this is their first year. They yeah. have a chance to redeem themselves. They can say that they didn't have their guys in there. They can say that they didn't, you know, get a chance to implement their schemes the right way. And we're working on it. And we got to get our guys through the portal or something. No excuses for AM. That's just egg on your face, Aggies. So yeah. it sucks. You know, I'm wearing the hat today, but uh, yeah, just just sucks. It's nothing you can really do about it. It, it was a rough year for AM and. It's going to be a long offseason for Aggie fans. No doubt. I mean, you know, the positive, you clearly figured out who your quarterback is and Connor Wegman. Sure, sure. Um, you know, was winning some some freshman team All-American honors around the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you've got a number of key pieces from that 2022 class that are locked in that will be back next year. Mm-hmm. Evan Stewart, Bryce Anderson, Shamar Stewart. But, yeah, uh, no, no doubt. Yep. Five and seven was, I, I think – collectively we might have all had them at 10 and two. I don't remember if one of us had them at 11 and one uh, to fall yeah. five games beneath that projection. <laughs> Pretty rough. Hurts. Pretty rough. <laughs> Hurts yep. For sure. Um, but you know, <laughs> when, look, when you, when you go on a six game losing streak for the first time since like the eighties or something like that, maybe the seventies, I can't remember. It's yeah. Been a while. It's, you know, not, not excusable. So longer than uh, I've been alive. I know. So crown the Aggies is the weenie hut junior Cancun team of the year. Um, Hopefully they figure it out in 2023, but we'll see. It and, will be a long. And hopefully, in, with regards to this, and hopefully they done yet. That's that's right. Well, that concludes the Three Tech Awards show, the first annual here in 2022. Certainly hope that you guys uh, enjoyed our take on it. Not just the same old, same old. We didn't have any repeat award winners, which of course, if you tune in on what is it a Friday night to watch those awards, you're going to see the same four guys win multiple awards, which. There's certainly merit to it, not taking away anything from that, but it also gets boring. And we want to, as a podcast that covers the entire sport of FBS college football and even some FCS, I guess when it when it's uh, Mm -hmm. when it's relevant to the show, we really want to highlight more guys than just the quarterback for USC, the quarterback or the edge rusher for Alabama, uh, because that's what's more fun. That's what we care about, and that's what we hope that you care about as well. But if you would like to weigh in, if you have different guys that you would have picked for any of these awards, 3Tech Pod on Instagram, Twitter. You can drop a YouTube comment as well. We'd love to hear from you and uh, continue to create content that uh, best serves you guys. Up next for us is bowl previews. We've got a couple coming up on, I believe, Friday of this next week. So Thursday's episode, we will include some preliminary bowl talk. Head over to YouTube if you want game-by-game previews we're going to be doing a preview for every single bowl game in video form as well as posting the written previews over on twitter so we've got a lot of work to get to a lot of recording (laughs) sessions are coming but uh, we're doing it because you guys really seem to be enjoying the content but uh yeah garrett i mean any any final words i think we can wrap it here no it's been a great season it really was a fun entertaining season and again part of just running through this list is seeing how many names we weren't even talking about at the beginning of the year you know it's Every year, somebody else pops up, and I'm just excited that we got these guys this year. No doubt about it. For Garrett Turney, I'm Mitch Mason. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, so long, everybody. (laughs) 